Welcome back to Shooting the Ish with a Brit, you guys. I'm Jen. I'm David. Hello, Jen. Hello, audience. How is everyone doing? It was 71 degrees here. That, 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 that's crazy. It's been so cold here. I've been shivering. Oh, I'm no. Sorry. How are you as a caregiver? Good. Very, very attentive, I think. Are I think you? you? Would can... you say the same thing? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be. You're confident. Be, you're confident in this. Super confident. I'd be. I'd be pretty surprised if she didn't. Okay, because being a caregiver is a big deal. No, I. I like the mystery of it. I like the mystery. <laughs> of it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, seventy-one degrees. Um, which is nice, I guess. Thanks to climate change, whatever. I appreciate a seventy-one degree day in November. I do. You know what I mean? Climate change is what it is, and you're over there cold. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's such a big question. <laughs> right. Really? What are you gonna what do? Are you, well, for? exactly. I mean, there's there's so many things that many of us could do or not do, right? In yeah. the scheme of things. Yeah. There's 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 like a. As a life, many lifetimes of, of answers to that question, I feel like, right? For sure. Such a layered question. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, how are you doing, Jen? What's happening? You just got back from Europe. I did. The husband and I did. And uh, it was onion levels of layered amazingness. The superficial part of it was going to France, going to Italy, mm -hmm. such beautiful places um, that are just so, art, just one level, right? Architecturally different than the U.S. Because the U.S. is a baby. I was reminded of that many, many times as I was walking through the streets of Paris and all these different Italian cities. Oh, my God. We're such babies over here, architecturally, you know? very quote-unquote modern right and then another superficial level the food every time I go overseas actually anywhere the food is real and I'm always reminded oh god this is what your neighbor's pasta is this is what somebody's grandma's great-grandmother does in the kitchen you know with food um and then other levels of it for our marriage specifically were just um, realizing more that one of our superpowers as a couple is our travel. We travel really well together. Some of the earliest travel we've done, I think our very first trip was to Philadelphia. And then it sort of gra you know, clearly graduated since then. But we just do travel very well. And so when you think about that, a lot goes into that right planning a trip communicating um compromising on what we're gonna do ishmael's more of a planner whereas i'm very laissez-faire whatever we'll figure it out ah. and then you know kind of come into a compromise so the fact that we have that superpower says a lot about our relationship and i think people can be like oh like they take the box on these many things just based on the fact we're good at travel which is great then we discovered new superpowers um which was pretty cool and i would like to say like we didn't i mean we were gone for 14 days we didn't fight um at all 
which is surprising. I mean, it's kind of normal to maybe argue over something. He got on my nerves at some points, maybe once or twice. And I know I got on his nerves at least one time. There was no no arguing. It was really smooth sailing. It was wonderful. He had his birthday over there, his 32nd birthday. Um, and lastly, what I'll say is I learned, particularly in Paris, because I had such an aversion to it, only because everybody had said how amazing Paris is. And unfortunately, I have a little gene that's like when people say this particular spot is amazing, I'm like, I don't want to be like everybody else. Fuck that, you know? So then I get to Paris and sure enough, I'm like, oh my God, Paris is that girl. And I forget who said it. I feel like it was a Coco Chanel thing. And maybe I got this from Sex and the City. I don't know. Somebody said, no, I think it was Audrey Hepburn. I think she said, Paris is always a good idea. And I just love that because it really, like, I fell in love with that effing city, David. Like, I fell in love with it. It is, it is really magnificent. Um, but anyway, my point is, because I kind of went off the rails, I learned about what capitalism could look like in terms of being compassionate. I was like, oh my God. So an example of that is I have a writer's friend who lives out there. She's a Black American woman, grew up in Arkansas, moved to L.A. for a little bit, and she decided, I want to go to Paris, so that's what I'm going to do. Actually, she went to London first, then she went to Paris. And one of the things she introduced us to is that when she works there, in general, people have like a food card. I guess, like employers generally give you like a food card, like a stipend or something for your food. So food is on them. And the food doesn't necessarily have to be from like certain uh, vendors or whatever. It can be like for groceries, you know? And then as a city, I assume as a country, but I'll just say as a city, people know about this thing, right? And and they try to accommodate it based on um, how much money you have on the stuff. And I'm like, what? This is amazing. So they made me think about a lot of these tech companies here in America, right? Like a Salesforce or a Google that offer food, right? During the day, snacks and all this kind of stuff, a chef on campus. And instead of that being like a, a country value, like a US value, becomes sort of this competitive chip, this sort of chip to get people to work there. You know, instead of it being more compassionate about their people, like the U.S. citizens, you know, the people or even residents. Right. So, yeah, being introduced to compassionate capitalism, there are other aspects of that. I, we don't have to get into it. But um, that trip was really transformative. Um, I laughed so much with my husband in my caption on Instagram, because, you know, if you don't put on Instagram, it doesn't happen, whatever. In my caption, in my caption, I put. You know, these photos are not the best of our time. And I'm really thankful for that. It was in the unphotographed moments. We laughed so much together. Um, there was just so much that happened that was, I mean, that's our whole relationship, but I just, I'm just so thankful that I am with this man. I really chose well in terms of my leadership for this household. And um, so, yeah, the trip was amazing. Wow. I mean, there's, there's so much uh, we could unpack there, um, but I'm just, I'm so pleased that you guys had such a, 
a wonderful time. And I mean, all those places you went to are uh, just incredible. And yeah. I, I, thought, I find it quite funny that you had said that the superficial part was going to these places. Like that's, that feels like a very modern mentality in that. And you kind of touched on it again when you said about everyone saying this place is great, right? It's in vogue, it's fashionable. So it kind of taints it. And that's such a shame because places like Italy and like Paris and like France in general, you know, all these different places in the world, though they might be popular, they're popular for a reason, right? So it's a real, so, you know, focus on that element of it maybe rather than the, oh, everyone else is doing this. So I don't really want to like it. Um, just, a, just a thought there, because it doesn't feel superficial, like the idea of exploring the world and going to new places and meeting new people and seeing new architecture and eating new food. That is not superficial. That's incredibly exciting. And it's what makes us who we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and just so you know, you know, the cities in Italy that we went to were Milan. Um, I always get these two mixed because I forget if we went to Venice first. I got to see geographically. So I'll say Milan, Venice, Rome, Naples. Uh, then we stopped over in Pompeii, visited Mount Vesuvio or Vesuvius, Vesuvius in English. Sorrento, which is, um, you know, on the Amalfi Coast, Capri, and then we went back to Milan and then Paris and came home. So it was over 14 days. We did not feel rushed. Our planning was magnificent. As I said, we travel very well. Um, oh, duh. And went to go see Kendrick Lamar in Paris, too. I forgot about that. That was amazing. What about driving? Did you guys drive when you were there? Not drive. We relied <laughs> in Italy. We relied on the train, which mm-hmm. when I first went to Italy five years ago, I loved. It's so efficient. Also made me sad. In America, I'm like, why the fuck can we get this? It's just disgusting. Like the miss. It's really mismanagement of taxes because we have the money. We have the money. They always pick money out of their ass when it's. Something else going on in the world, but not taking care of their own. It's just, it's unbelievable. But anyway, their train system, wonderful. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Next, time, yeah, you... next time we said we would have a go maybe at the driving. Or a scooter, because we didn't even do a scooter. See, scooter sounds more of a liability to me. That's like riding around Paris and the central cities with uh, on a scooter, not knowing the streets or the laws. That sounds like a, a no-no to me. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um but that that's 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 awesome and um I love it. I think that's amazing. I think uh, do you have any more like trips planned? Anything on the horizon? Nothing. We are buckled down because um we had a lot going on this year. All of it was like marriage related. And so with that mm-hmm. that meant money coming out of our pockets. So we are trying to mm-hmm. just sit down, relax, stack our little money, get our little investments together, you know. Um mm-hmm. but we want to in the future, maybe next year, maybe late next year. Mm-hmm. How are you All doing? Right. I'm good. Um, I've just had a, a week on my own with the dog and the cat uh, as my partner was away. Uh, it was lovely. I, I kind of, uh, you know, obviously missed her dearly, but um, had a lovely kind of just quiet week of uh, working on creative stuff and also kind of having the routine with the animals and just really just, in kind of enjoying that quiet time and it's been I got so much done worked so much stuff out um and I just feel really relaxed and lovely and it's oh, yeah. it's been really nice 
yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been working on. Um, sorry. What dog are you talking about? Uh, so I, I guess you don't know, but we have a, a dog now. So my partner had uh, has had a dog for 14 years. Um, but when she was away for from the mainland of the U.S. for like a couple of years, her friends had taken the dog um, to look after her. Um, and we just got her back about two two months ago, two and a half months ago. Um, so she's like a 14-year-old mix of Chow, Beagle, St. Bernard, and oh my God. another one. Yeah, she's beautiful. I'll send you a picture. She's, wow. you, can put on in, you can put her on Instagram. She's uh She's one of those dogs that everyone stops just like, and they think she looks like a puppy as well. Her face is very puppy-esque. Wow. Um, yeah, she's, she's a beautiful dog. And she's super sweet. So we had a nice bonding time this week. What's um, her name? Which was, her name is Otis. Otis? Yeah. And her <laughs> and Junie. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did, <laughs> did your woman name this dog? Sure. What's yeah, yeah. She got her as a baby how puppy. She, how does she spell it? It's O-T-I-S. Otis. That is so cute. Uh-huh. I have to get the story on that. Do you know the story? Well, she, she used to work um, as a vet assistant many years ago, and someone came into the vet veterinarian and said, hey, I have this dog. And she said, I'll take it. That's, that's the story. Why did she name it Otis? It's a girl, right? It's a girl, yeah. She just She just thought it looked like an Otis. You know, well, I'll send you, I'll send you the picture and you you can judge for yourself and we can, what? you can put it on Instagram and, and people can judge it. I will. What sign is your, is your lady? What's your sign? Sagittarius. That's why. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like a Sagittarius thing to do. That is hilarious. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that makes her so like even more cool points in my eyes. That's dope. So, well, good bonding time. So, does Otis like you or what? Oh yeah, we we had a wonderful time, and she's because she's she's a bit overweight right now as well. So we're trying to get her weight down, and you no. know we're just trying to get her to walk more, but also kind of she's older, fourteen, right? We have we have like a set of stairs to get down and up at the apartment, so we've got to take it easy. But she's been building up her stamina and just getting stronger and losing a bit of weight, and so we did a lot of that this week, which was nice. You're yeah. a good, you're a good dad, a good whatever you want to call yourself. Yeah. We can, like you asked me at the beginning, am I a good carer? Yeah, I'm, I'm attentive. You know. There you go. Mm-hmm. Animals mm-hmm. and all, or animals and humans, you do it all. Yeah. Well, it's you know humans that I like and have interest in spending time with them. Animals, pretty much any animal, if the situation calls for it. Oh you know, wow. They, 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 they get they get a pass. It'd be your own people. That's messed up. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah, no, it's but it's it's all good. Um, having a lovely time. Um, I've I've been working on my book for this year. Um, which you know what it is, but if for our listeners that don't, I kind of put together a book every year of some of my uh photographs from the year and kind of send it out to different people. Um, but this year there's going to be uh, it's going to be more creative. There's, there's art involved in this year's work which is a lot of fun in fact Jen you can see behind you kind of just different musings and a little work or maybe no I don't know if it's blurry um but you can kind of see progress on that um but that's that's getting close to being done um which I'm excited about um and then I also watched the White Lotus yes very good so that's why we're here so that's why we're here season two everybody we decided to review HBO's 
hit sleeper hit show, The White mm-hmm. Lotus. It's on season two. It's an anthology. I don't know if that was the original intent, right? Or was it? It, it, it was. And, I, and this is a, I was in the building, obviously. So yeah, I kind of I worked on the original series. It was it was it was devised as a as a as a one and done kind of all potentially anthology in success, right? It was one of those. Um and obviously, as you said, sleeper hit, it just it became everyone's pandemic fascination for six weeks. It was just uh, everyone just clutching at the the controller to get that on the box on Sunday night. For sure. And then I discovered it after the fact. I discovered it this year. I forget mm-hmm. what made me even like sit down and actually watch it you were the one that told me about it i think i hope i'm um and then when i watched the first episode i was completely in especially because of miss jennifer coolidge's performance Mm -hmm. amazing wasn't she stifler's mom jennifer coolidge yeah correct yeah yeah um She, she was the original milf she is the original milf that's correct um damn her botox is good because she literally looks the same she did <laughs> 30 years ago that's some premier botox right there um so yeah season two let's let's get into it sir we can but let's just on the jennifer coolidge note if you're if you're kind of fanning out her there's a show uh we just watched on netflix it's like a eight-part like mystery series with um bobby cannavale and naomi watts um, and it's, it's pretty good, um, but she's in it as well. And she's a great character and she's really just kind of completely nails the role and, uh, does a great job. So you can awesome. watch that as well. Awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, but actually I do want to say before we jump into the world, Enter Galactic, which you told me to watch, I watched that movie and I loved it. That was incredible. It's like that, that it spoke to me on many different levels, just kind of the story as much as the, the craft as well was. It was fantastic. Loved it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I want to watch it again now that you said that. It was just so beautiful. I would love to watch yeah. that at IMAX. Isn't that like... Uh, that be uh, that'd be incredible. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, but yeah, okay, White Lotus. So yeah, as you said, kind of season one is, is it was done. It was uh, gripping. Um, did you did you work out before the end, like who was going to die on the last season? No. Could you get there? And. Honestly, I forgot who died. I don't think it was anybody that we. I mean, there was somebody that died, but remember in the first episode? Oh boy! And I don't. I'm gonna be using nicknames for everybody because I don't remember everybody. Again, mm-hmm. first season, episode one. Oh boy, the married guy. He's at the airport. Then he looks out the window. A coffin is being put into an airplane. Right. At the end of season one, I don't think that person was anybody that we knew that was in the coffin. It was. Who? It, it was the, the manager of the hotel. Remember, he kind of the whole season, he kind of gradually got more, broke down more with the pressures of the job and kind of fell back in, fell off the wagon and got drunk and ended up getting into drugs and whatnot. And that's how it all spiraled. And then in the end, he was in the, the guy who's sitting at the airport. He was in his hotel room. Can't remember exactly what he was doing, but then well, the guy I comes back. I remember he died. Yeah. I don't recall yeah. information saying that man that died at the hotel, the manager, was the guy in the coffin. Where did that happen? I think that's just an assumption. Like it's like the beginning is end, right? It's kind of like there's someone dying, they're going hard, they're going on a plane. Uh, you know. Okay. So I think well, that's just a that's just a, 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 a bit of math. I think. Yeah. Um, 
if I remember correctly. But you, you mentioned that though. The one of the things I noticed about this new pilot is how similar in structure it is. Like it's it's the same, exactly yeah. the same the whole way through. Yeah. Um, which, but obviously different details, right? They're kind of different characters and setting them all up. So you get it. But what I will say from the offset for me. I'm interested because it's the White Lotus, and also these characters are super interesting. And I'm, but compared to the first one, like those characters just blew me away. Like that entrance, those it was just like even even I have to say the the um the the manager of this one, the the I can't remember her name, um, but she she's kind of I'm curious to see what's going to happen with her. Um, but she's uh she's an interesting one. She is. I was annoyed to see that it literally copied the format of the first one mm -hmm. like I it's identical like, it's identical it really annoyed me and I guess, uh, go on sorry you go no go ahead well i was gonna say that's kind of in a way it's um a really blatant example of what's happening in everyday content right because it's all just templates it's all just structural templates that are just being passed around the details are just different. This one is just so blindingly obvious because it's exactly the same premise, right? Exactly. The only difference is this time is obviously they have to up, to up the stakes, right? So, oh, there's someone died in the ocean. And then the right. guy says, actually, it was a few bodies, right? You know, so they're kind of upping it in that way. That's an excellent point. I think the obviousness of it is what annoys me and makes me feel like they're playing on my intelligence. And yes, there's a template for things. And template is good because there's structure and an understanding that storytelling has to have X, Y, and Z for it to be a story. But it doesn't have to be in that order. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be in that order. We could have known maybe, I mean, who the hell knows? But I just, I didn't appreciate that it was identical. And mm -hmm. like, but then getting through the episode, I was in it. And then I forgot how annoyed I was, you know? Yeah, it, 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 what it is for me, the word I'd describe it is just lazy. It feels a bit lazy, felt, especially considering like Mike White and Athena is clearly such amazing writers and yeah. so inventive and brilliant and they know their characters so well. It just felt like, you know, just it just felt a little bit lackluster um, in that respect. Yeah. It feels that way right now and I'm totally open to changing my mind later, right? But right mm -hmm. now, it feels lazy. Yes, I agree. Let's just uh, the who do you think who do you think is dead? Go on, let's just go right there. Let's just go for it right at the beginning, so we can jump to the end. But like, oh, there we go. I'm gonna go with oh boy, the married deviant. Um, is probably Chris Motosanti. Is that his name? I don't know. But the deviant. What, for, you watch the Sopranos. Yes. Yeah, Chrissy. Chris Motosanti. No, Tom is not oh. decent to me. I'm talking about the younger guy. The oh, dude. Oh, the the, 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 oh, he's he's English. That guy. Um, his name is. Yeah, I know who you mean. He's uh, and he is. I mean, I don't know him obviously, but he's. I, I, yeah, he. Yeah, I know you, exactly who you mean. I think he is dead. At least he. I I wouldn't be upset about it, and I think. The white passing Asian guy might be in there too. That's your guesses. Yeah, what about, and some other people, but I don't know them. What about you? We're we, we're going to come back to the the white passing Asian guys. You put it. That's Will Sharp. Uh, that guy's a genius. Um, but we'll come back to him. Um, for me, he was one of my instincts was him as as being the body. Um, but the 
I'm also kind of really leaning into like again, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm trying to think of these things logically and break them down. Like who's gonna whatever. Last season, I, I guess the manager fairly early because he was the one building to that kind of crescendo, and you know, his his like everyone else had things to lose. He would kind of lost it all already. He was off. You know what I mean? So it was just kind of inevitable to me. With this. I feel like um, Chris Moltisanti, uh, you know, he, that, that trio of grandfather, father, father, oh. there's, there's some element, there's, like, he, he, I'm pin, pinpointing him in this right now um, as one of them, um, you know, potentially kind of just getting into too much shit. Like everything will potentially mm -hmm. escalate with the girls and whatnot. He kind of ends up sneaking around, all this shit happens. His son gets involved somehow and then he has kind of has to, I don't know, who knows. But that's that's my my favorites right now is that that trio somehow is involved in the end okay. in that in death. Okay. Yeah. They will see. But Will Sharp, let me quickly talk. Will Sharp. Um. There's that guy. He he he's a writer, producer, and director. He did recently did a, a limited series for HBO called Landscapers with Olivia Coleman and I can't remember the guy's name. But he's a fantastic and terrifying actor. Um. It's the show was all right. Like it wasn't for me necessarily, but it was good. It was well, he really made it well. But the show he did before that was a show called Flowers, which has two seasons on Netflix. It's a, like a 30-minute comedy, six episodes each season. Um, and he, he writes it, directs it, and stars in it as well. He's in the show. Also, Olivia Coleman's in the show. It's brilliant. Like, I highly recommend that show. It's so funny, so well-written, so well-acted. Like, just the whole premise is just it's just really fun. I'd, I'd really recommend that. He's so smart, that guy. So it's nice to see him in this show. Um, although I'm a bit disappointed, he, he seems a bit too timid at this point. But obviously, that's the that's the role, isn't it? That's kind of he needs to he needs to be broken and come out of his shell and kind of become the person he's going to become. Mm -hmm. Thank mm -hmm. you for educating me on him because I've never seen that man a day in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, uh, he's as he from he's um, I think he's half Japanese, half British, half English. Um, okay. And he's, he grew up in he grew up in London, I think, um, if I remember correctly. But don't quote me on that, because anyway. Um, but yeah, so um, uh, yeah, but it's the, the the first episode. I mean, what what are the big big standing moments for you? What what kind of stuck out? Um, I would say how complicated. Tanya or Tanya is. I'm gonna just call her Tanya because it just makes sense. But which um, one's she? Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, okay, uh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So she is so complicated because I remember in season one, I felt very sympathetic to her and then also angry at how she treated Natasha Rothwell's mm -hmm. uh, character. But then again, I was kind of mad at Natasha Rothwell's character because I'm like, really should have seen this coming. But whatever. Mm -hmm. Then in this season, she's like, there are moments where I get sad for her. And then because of how she's treating her assistant, Portia, which is an interesting name for a white girl, by the way. Never met a white Portia a day in my life. But um, how she's treating her is wild. She's just very insufferable and sad. There's so much going on with her. Like, I feel schizophrenic when I see her on the screen because I'm going through a roller coaster of emotions, which probably speaks to Jennifer's amazing acting ability and being able to, like, show us these very complex emotions. And then I can, honestly, just based on her performance, I can, like, go on my own tangent of, like, how she grew up. You know what I mean? And, like, 
maybe what her secrets and desires are and like she's a such a clearly but not clearly i don't know such a clearly clearly complicated character but there's no mystery about it i don't know how to explain it it's brilliant the whole, yeah the whole speech about jennifer coolidge was the the premise of really was that there was is such a mystery about her even though she's kind of giving us material whether it be by voice or whatever it it's super mysterious but at the end of that you said she's not mysterious right. so it's a contradiction um so so there's that but what i'll say with her one what that, that stuck out to me when you were saying that and thinking about that is most other actors when they're playing a role or like all, all the characters they play it's very their intentions are generally very clear and and that's partly because that's the character's intention but partly because they're telling a story on screen and you kind of have to that moves the story along right and move the character along with her character though that ambiguity is part of what makes her so strong and so interesting is that you kind of really i mean i have no idea what she's thinking any any part of the time at all and that's so interesting and she's so funny with it and like her husband in it is just um just can you imagine being her husband i just i, I just you'd explode your head would explode let me let me share with you uh a perfect um piece of dialogue that she said that speaks to why I'm like she's not mysterious but she is mysterious is when she gets in her vest her sexy vest the black little number she had on trying to entice her husband who's been ignoring her for whatever reason right she's you know letting him know what's going on putting his feet on her little boobies and everything and he's like right now you know like kind of annoyed but whatever and she's like, yeah. And then he gets up, he walks toward the bathroom, and she said, where are you going? And he's like, well, don't you want me to, like, wash up first? I have swamp crotch. So then as he continues to go on, the camera is on her, and she says, with her eyes looking like the sun, okay? With these beautiful eyelashes and this cute smile, she says, he's always thinking of me. That's like that is what I mean by the she's not mysterious, but she's mysterious. Not mysterious because she's letting at least like I I am privy to how she feels about that comment, but mysterious because it's like why is her bar that low in terms of what a man's gonna do for her? Of course, a man is gonna wash himself. You know what I mean? And she relates that he's always thinking what love it love it that to me mm -hmm. said so much about her character so much i agree um fascinating uh and and i hope that she she outlives everyone in the white lotus and stays for all the seasons of the so. show <laughs> because doesn't it make She's sense just... that she would be in the second season i want to talk about that too well yeah let's talk about that can i jump into that She's rich. I don't know if the no, she's more than rich. This woman is wealthy. Maybe she comes from old money. I don't remember if she gave us her story in season one, but I'm reminded when the assistant white Porsche says she has five hundred million dollars. Now I'm in my head trying to figure out is that an exaggeration or no? I'm leaning toward no. That's not an exaggeration. So for her to be able to, first of all, have access, right, to these different white lotuses throughout the world makes so much sense because of the money. We knew she had at least that much in season one to be a part of season two. But then to hear that figure 
exaggerated or not, I'm like, yeah, she really could go through all the seasons, visit all the White Lotuses. She doesn't seem to really have anything to do. Does she have a job? I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. So she's just living her life, living her sad life throughout the world. And I wrote something down because I was like, you can travel to paradise, but still be in hell. Like, I feel like that's kind of how she is. I feel like she's traveling to look for something when actually is really within herself. Like, wherever she goes, it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. It doesn't matter how much money. She's looking for something that's literally in the toilet. And she has to just look in it, pick it up, and move on. I mean, you've just described every human being in history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. It's yeah. kind of that, that idea of, of paradise over there, hell over here. But the reality is it's all, you know, I mean, obviously, the, the, to be clear, there are external factors which can make things hellish and whatnot. But, yeah. um, you know, for the for the average person who doesn't have to deal with those circumstances, the, the idea of, you know, always looking for the next best thing, like the next what's going to make this better. It's, right. it's also one of the biggest flaws in, in humanity, right? It's that, and we're, we, we continue to stoke that fire, which obviously is a huge part of what this show's about, right? That kind of that ultimate luxury let's say her character does do what you say and goes week to week from white lotus to white lotus and just that's what she does that's all that's her whole life like it's just it, this, the, the saddest bit about that is that and as we know from these like you go to an apple store in new york you go to one in london you go to one in dubai they all look exactly the same the same principle with the white lotus so her going to all these places unlike you going to italy and europe and traveling around and getting those life experiences and that cultural intelligence She's just going there and she's, it's like, a, it's almost like an alcoholic in that, uh, you know, alcoholics, yeah. when, when they, when they start, when they become an alcoholic, their brain kind of freezes at a certain age, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't mature until they stop drinking again. Same principle potentially with her. It's like, she's kind of lived this way her whole life. Like her brain hasn't matured to a point of what, you know, because she hasn't had to deal with problems and et cetera, et cetera. And she's just been in this very acute bubble um, her whole life and she's just come perpetuating it and you know trying to improve it in a little way she finds um, but but unfortunately it's not really working for her that's so good you're right that's so good mm -hmm. mm. yeah it's interesting to look. I mean the the, the the guy is uh as I said earlier the he's they're really good at making characters like he's really good at pull or, or should I say pulling out characters from the world like that. I just like, and, and the castings, they all just, they really nail it. They just yeah. really absolutely nail it. The only person who actually I'm a little bit uh, sure of at the moment is Aubrey Plaza. And the reason is it's not even necessarily her. It's because why I don't see, I don't feel the chemistry between her and Will Sharp at all. Like, mm -hmm. um, but maybe that's the point, by the way, like I tell you, what, actually I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, on, on that note, I'll kind of jump into what I think if there was like an award for okay this show is the best at this this is like does this this better than any other show in history in the world or at least on current television it's it's the most awkward show in the world like that every scene in that show like the scene when they're sitting around the, the breakfast table and they're all just the four of them are chatting like uh will shut that is just incredibly awkward and i remember at the first season there were so many moments i'm like they they do such a good job of making you feel so uncomfortable and that's all the cast it's all the writing it's all the directing like they just nail it and that's what makes this show so good is they kind of take this 
cookie cutter vacation resort that kind of everyone in the world i'm doing air quotes aspires to go to right to luxury like i want a two weeks out be a dream but the reality is when you get there as you kind of said earlier like it's not really paradise it's more just hell because it's not you know what is it really it's it's i mean sure it'd be lovely don't get me wrong but you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i mean it would be paradise for us because we're self-aware enough and happy enough to be able to bring that to there and it you know we're not really looking for anything we just want to enjoy um but to your point i think it's all intentional i think Mm -hmm. the um lack of chemistry between uh, audrey or aubrey i forget her name aubrey plaza aubrey's character and so the white passing Asians, I'm going to go with that because that's what she said, or white passing people. But I'm going to go with white passing people. Um, I think the lack of chemistry is intentional um, because they, I think, serve a purpose of being polar opposites of the people they came on the, the trip with, you know? Um, people they came on the trip with are seem to be very happy or at least they are happy presenting they look great there's a lightness about them there's a sun-kissedness about them there's a almost um in a like an attraction to that physically attraction you know whereas the white passing asians people whatever they honestly to me they have a darkness about them they have a cloud over them that's like very serious and very stale and boring. And although they are cerebral and seem to be, I guess, doing well in the workplace, they don't seem to have a spark amongst themselves. And there's nothing like attractive about it. Neither one of those pairs are anything that I don't think anybody desires to be. But if there was a choice, if there was, if those are the only two choices, and based on what I know right now, um, I would probably choose the 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 other people not the white peasant the other people because at least there's a spark there's some kind of joy happiness whatever some sort of levity there so yeah i think the lack of chemistry is intentional um i love that aubrey has been cast because i wasn't expecting that at all i know her to be there's only one show I know her to be in, and it's very satirical. I forget even the name of it, but very sarcastic. Parks and Parks and Rec. There you go. Genius. Um, so good. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say about that. Interesting. Well, um, I'm very curious. It kind of it felt like uh, I tell you what, what the other thing about this episode when it was over, it um, it I was like, oh, it's over. That's the end of the pilot. Oh, really? It's, yeah, and but then again, okay. So this is this is again, this is my logical brain storyteller connecting the dots. The last shot of the episode was a zoom out of. I'm, I'm going to keep calling him Chris Montesanti because that's all he's ever going to be to me. Um, of you know him and the him and yeah. the, the 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 Italian hooker. Um, so again, like that kind of just really nods to me that he's the one. You know, he's that body in the ocean, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some shit go down yeah with him yeah like yeah. her wearing the red outfit as well like by the way the most revealing outfit anyone could ever wear in public is ridiculous it's like it's crazy there's like there's only like enough material on that outfit just to hide you know the little bits 
You know what's funny about that? I didn't even think it was that bad, but in comparison to what everybody else was wearing, it looked exactly stood out. I think clearly, you know, um, we're just trying to be discreet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So speaking of Dom, which you know is Chris, right? Dom, it really bothered me that throughout almost all the episode, and I'm curious to hear what you think. When his dad was talking to the Milanese girl and to um, his grandson's little friend, Portia, and I guess somebody else, they sort of took it as if he was sexually harassing them. And I found that to be so interesting. I really, actually not interesting, I despised it. It really bothered me. And it felt like there was somebody in the writer's room who felt like they needed to like scold him when in actuality, his damn son is the scumbag. You know what I mean? Like his dad, as a woman, and particularly as a 38-year-old woman now, and I got to think, did I have, was I ever this way? As a 38-year-old woman, when I when I get hit on by, not, I wouldn't even consider it, I mean, it's just flirting. You know what I'm saying? I don't, it's not a big deal. Like, it's like, he wasn't touching on her. He was just, he just liked what he saw, which I appreciate as a woman. But again, remember, I like street harassment. So what the what the f? You know, I don't consider that to be harassment. I know what street harassment is, and I like it. But I cons- I don't consider that harassment. Women, believe it or not, actually like to be complimented. Okay, especially women that get it a lot. So especially when you start to get older, that does diminish. So if some older man wants to like say, you know, oh you you look nice or you could be our translator, I'm telling you that is not that's nice. If you're not touching on me, no problem. So I was I was really bothered by that because I'm like he's not being nasty at all. He just likes what he sees. Most men are very visual anyway. Okay, it's a thing they like shiny things. Okay. Women, if you're listening, put something shiny on. Normally that's how they come and smell good. Um, so what did you think about that? How they, how the grandson and the son were scolding their dad about how he was flirting with the ladies? Okay. Let me break that down for you. Firstly, um, I, I, I mostly agree, honestly, like he wasn't, he wasn't leching, he wasn't touching, he wasn't like grabbing, he wasn't like kind of put, putting her into a corner or whatever. It was just like with other people around, you know, like just saying nice things and being complimentary. And and also she was being polite and just you know getting out of the room whatever and that's but um, uh, what I would say the reason for those three characters okay the structure of those three you have the grandfather the father and the son right and obviously all of them have, have very different personalities the older guy is a guy who's lonely right he's on his way out he's eighty years old he's getting older he's looking at his son and his grandson he's like God they've got their whole lives to live this this young grandson's talking to a woman here you know he's doing his thing i know he's you know dom's obviously broken up with his wife whatever but like he's he's on his way out and he's just trying to to have a good time and just kind of enjoy those last like years of life and like especially he's you know he's also trying to you kind of imagine trying to show off a bit right to his son and to his grandson so that kind of that that motivation comes into my mind with him as well right like can you you want to impress the people around you especially if it's your children right you want them to look up to you and and at this point it's kind of like that pivot of when when a parent becomes you know the person that needs to be looked after right it kind of there's a real 
di dynamic mm -hmm. shift. And that's, you can imagine that's very hard for both people in that scenario, right? Just kind of having to take more responsibility and having to give up that, you know, a bit of pride and, and power and just kind of relinquish yourself a bit. So I think that's him. The Dom's character, uh, I feel like he is, you know, father, son, right? Like this, this, the the grandfather's inclined to be this way. He thinks about, he likes women. He's got a, he, he's just kind of, it's in him, right? He just clearly has a passion for them. There's nothing wrong with that. But you then combine that with Dom, who's found success in Hollywood, who's now super rich, can afford to go to the White Lotus, who's clearly very powerful. And he has, we know he's getting a prostitute in already. Like that's his inclination. It's kind of like the grandfather, but with money and power. And that's what he could have become. Right. And so the danger of that, then we go to the son, the grandson. The danger is what you want to avoid is, is him becoming like his father. Right. In, in a way, you want him to go be more innocent like the grandfather. So I think he's, they're playing on that dynamic quite a bit. Um, and because the, the, the son, the grandson seems very innocent and like good hearted and like kind of kind and polite. And, you know, he's and he's just again, I think it's a representation of that generation right now. Right. Like it's like, yeah. wait a minute, like all these things you're doing, dad, granddad, like they're not cool. Right. They're just like, well, yeah. and obviously in season one, again, if we go back to the structure of season one, huge part of that was the, the girls kind of like discovering, oh, actually, this is terrible. Like the way that they're kind of walking through life and how their actions are impacting other people. So like that trio is a really one of my favorite trios, actually. And again, why I think they're like it's a real central storyline that's just going to be really just boost and boost and that's going to bring a lot of action like dom's kind of in the middle of it right and those the, the son and the grandfather are both looking to him for guidance at this point but he doesn't want to do that he's just broken up with his ex and he wants to go and fuck around and have a good time right yeah he's you know he's not there for the right reasons gotcha so. okay i love that breakdown i love it um i want to get your personal uh thoughts on this i want to mm -hmm. know what would you do okay so <laughs> the douchebag decides mm -hmm. to be nasty with the white passing asian man's wife okay so while aubrey was in the room right trying to find sunscreen she sees in the mirror in the bathroom that the douchebag is quote unquote changing his shorts in front of her. He is married, she is married. He knows what he's doing, okay? Not only that, changes his booty is out. He ends up putting different shorts on, doubles back, which I thought was <laughs> really funny. He kind of like looks in his pants, okay? And then snaps them back, looks around a tad bewildered, like he doesn't know what is going on goes to the bathroom and asks her her opinion on the shorts. Basically, how do the shorts look, okay? She's, like, clearly weirded out or whatever. Says what she says, they look fine. He leaves. Here's my thing, okay? Um, And I asked my own husband. I said, I gave him that scenario. And at first, I was a little upset with Aubrey because she didn't tell her husband immediately. Okay, then she tells him, and then her husband's response really annoyed me and made me very like not attracted to him. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Because my husband said, first of all, you wouldn't be going to the room with him. Number one, I don't care if he's my friend or not, or he's not going. If he needed something, 
or you need it so you can bring it to him, he can bring it to you, whatever. Um, but the fact that Aubrey's husband brushed it off was so odd. And now makes me think even more that he could be in the water with the douchebag because I feel like he wants to be in his orbit for some reason, some sort of childhood you know what I mean some sort of like they looked over me kind of thing and I want to like be that guy you know now that I'm like a grown-up um if you were Aubrey's husband what would be your course of action there in that situation well firstly um okay there's a couple of things actually first so white passing Asian which you've used several times is that like a, a colloquial term? Like, what's I, I, I've never no, heard that. No, they said that. They said that in the show. That they, they said that. Okay, that is what they said. I thought they thought they said something like that, but I wasn't sure if that's what they said. Okay, yeah, just want just want Okay, great. Yeah. Um, thank you for clarifying. Two, um, I thought of two white Porsches: Porsche Doubleday and Porsche De Rossi. You're right. Mm-hmm. So thank there you go. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but anyway, back to the story at hand. Um, I mean, one, that was super inappropriate with the guy. Like the whole, you know, the whole even going up to the room with her and borrowing whatever. Like that was just, you know, outrageous, right, in, in that sense. Or like at least just not taking them and going into the bathroom to change it like anyone else. Like there's clearly ill intention there. Like whatever it is, trying to mess with her or actually trying to seduce her, who knows? Um, we don't know yet because he's, he's clearly playing a game or some games are being played. Um, but the, the boyfriend, um, Will Sharp's character, um, I mean, that was, again, in, totally inappropriate. Like, that's just kind of, um, oh, wait, you're in our room and he got naked in front of you or, like, behind you. Like, that's that's not cool, man. Uh, you'd feel like you'd be speaking to him the next day. Like, him, so look, hey, man, what's going on here? What were your intentions? And he's like, oh, I didn't realize. And like, well, of course you did. You know, you can see it. You could see her from where you were taking your shorts off and you knew she was by a mirror. There's no explanation for this other than that you knew. And if you didn't know, then we need to take the hospital right away because there is something going on in your brain that we really need to be concerned about. You I know, so I've called, a cho- I've called a chopper, uh, you know, because I can afford it. We're going to take, take you back to the mainland and we're going to operate right away. Unless you admit that actually you were just being a dirtbag. You know, <laughs> that's what I would have done. Love that. It's so sarcastic. It's also threatening too, because it's like, oh, if you didn't realize, we're gonna get this fixed. I love you so much. I'm going to get you help right now. I love that response so much. So why do you think, oh boy, just brushed it off? Where do you what do you think that's about? Well, I think I mean there's got to be some history between the two of them, right? Like there's been many alluding moments to their friendship and uh how it started and even if you like there's one comment that that old matey bollock said the the douchebag um was you know at college you know you basically just stayed in your room the whole time we're trying to get you out right like this is kind of similar to that so this dude's been on this guy's case for years and whether it's because maybe he loves him i don't know who knows we just we don't know what the spectrum is going to be here um uh, but that 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 would be an obvious one to throw out there um but well, there's just there's just some other bond, right? There's some other thing. There's something there. That's what we're going to get the root at with them too. We're not going to get to the root of what's happening now. Like what's happening now for them in this story is going to be based on what's happened to them at college, right? And why they became friends in the first place. 
Yeah. That's the direction of their story. And obviously, you've got to think, again, this is writers trying to build upon layers and layers and layers. Their whole, the whole dynamic, which we just talked about, is this guy being a bit sleazy. He's kind of trying to get his girls, right? Mm -hmm. He's kind of trying to take advantage. And maybe in the past, he's taken his girls, right? Or something like that. Like, maybe there's just this kind of power thing about him. It's like, oh, this guy's got the brain and, you know, he's really talented, and, but I can get the women, but I can get the, you know, I don't know, who knows? Or something, there's something like that. There's many possibilities, but whatever it is, it's building to them kind of dealing with something that's been kind of plaguing them for years or it's been a dynamic in their relationship for a long time. For sure. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, well, I mean, um, Portia, the, the assistant is, a, I think is a really funny addition. She's, you know, with, with, with Tanya and Portia, um, and Frank, I think it's a husband, like that dynamic, it could, it could, be really comical and they could do a really good job obviously it's going to get involved with the kid the other book the other lad right that's kind of that's going to spiral a bit um but it could also get drawn out very quickly so so you know that kind of dynamic of the three of them like her hiding so i just hope that they don't overdo that because that that is one red flag i see so far it's just that that storyline it could be good but don't overdo it right I agree. I like the actress. I've never seen her a day in my life, but she's really good. I Ditter. like her. Yeah. She just looks so stressed out. Every time I see her, I'm like, mm -hmm. stressed. Right. So good and so yeah. adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's, again, a quick shout out to the casting. Like, on this show, like, the cast casting team were just phenomenal. Like, they really nail it. And again, and, and Mike White, for, again, writing and directing these characters, and I'm sure, really finessing. And by the way, what, what, as as viewers and audience, what we often forget, I think, or what people don't even ever think about is between season one and two of White Lotus, right? Like for, for an audience, that's a year, right? That's, that's a long time. You're like, God, I just want another season right now. Then it comes out and, you know, ideally it's really good. And the reason I say that is there's only a year gone by. Think of how much you achieve in a year, right? So the fact that they can go out, they can sit down, devise these, all these characters, this whole premise, this show, right? This show, we know to do, you know get it approved go through the motions get all the crew get all the cast go through the get it edited get it and get it on the air within a year anyone who doesn't understand that process like that is really really quick and really impressive and and actually is a detriment to the industry honestly because people who work in it have to work under those conditions which really mm -hmm. sucks for a lot of people um but it's it's incredibly impressive so i kind of always try and go into things and this is an example of it but even when something's not quite as good as it could be, I always try and remember in the back of my brain how much work has gone into it, right? It's just, it's just always so, so much. Yeah. I don't know why I got on that tangent, but it just made me think about it. It's true, and it, it's, the, it's the benefit of us both working in production at HBO. Like, we were able to see that. Mm -hmm. So, right. awesome, awesome. awesome. Uh, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. But yeah, all right. Well, I didn't. I didn't watch the trailer for next week. Or maybe, maybe actually, what we should do is watch the trailer each time because then we can we can kind of get a sense of make some guesstimates about what's going to happen next episode. Okay. Moving forward. I'm down for that. I'm definitely down for mm. that. Um, all right. Well, um, anything else to add on on yes. White Lotus episode one? There was one more thing I wanted to say, just that it was so nice to see Italy again, considering I just came from Italy. Now, I didn't mm -hmm. go to Sicily. The further south I went was Sorrento along the Malfi Coast. But um, it just, there are similarities, clearly, in the architecture and the way that the streets are paved and mm -hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. 
Um, and then the language, it was nice to hear the language again. Just a side note, Spanish got us through Italy better than English did. Even though a lot of people spoke mm. English, there were certain words that mm-hmm. were not true. So when I would say it in Spanish, they'd be like, oh, this is what you mean. Um, mm. So this has actually sparked me to go on a journey of having a third language. So I'm going to dedicate myself to six more months of just Spanish every day like I've been doing. So, and then I'm moving on. So I want to get your opinion on this before we move on to apartment for e so i did a poll on instagram as to which language makes the most sense for me to do right now not right now but after this next six months of just spanish and the choices were something that's global but still has the alphabet okay so not mandarin (laughs) so um french portuguese or italian what french do you think yeah, that's what damn uh, it's it's because it's the most uh, after Spanish, it's the most most widely spoken language. Like it's just Portuguese is is limited to Portugal and Brazil, right? So unless you go to one of those places, which you would only ever do for a maximum of a week or two, it seems completely useless to learn that language. And the third one was Italian. Again, even less yeah. regions yeah. you can go to is just one country, and it's like just so you can go and order a, a bowl of pasta with a really nice accent. You know, it just doesn't seem worth it. Whereas French, like in the business world, in the art world, in the in the traveling world, like just as to have that as a third language, I think it would be incredibly advantageous. I think that's going to be the one, my friend. So after six months, I'm going to be doing my French journey, doing another Rosetta Stone. Although when I was in Great. Paris, it really annoyed me because I feel like French is such an unserious language. It makes me angry because mm-hmm. they have so many letters that they don't even pronounce. It just, the S's alone, I'm like, why do you have this in a word and you're not saying it? Then, <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm going to do it. You're right. You're right. So thank but you. you wait, but you say that, but English, English, I, I feel like probably has more words with letters that do nothing. It does. So this that's is, not a good, that's not a good reason. Yeah, that's true. It's not. <laughs> but I am deciding in six months. So yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, it, Apartment 4E, we should put something in there this week. And, and I know it should be the White Lotus, but I'm actually going to do one in like a real life one because it's just, it happened to me today again. And it's just like, why can't people have just common decency or, and maybe this is actually a perfect, perfect one for the White Lotus because it's this entitlement, this idea of entitlement that people have. And I was at the um, uh, grocery store literally this morning, just to, just at the Whole Foods. And uh, there's a queue, right? And there's like five people in each line. It's busy. Um, and I'm only getting a few bits, but there's a woman in front of me who um, is just getting like a full basket of stuff. There's like 20 items, 25 items, right? And guy's ringing her up and she's just standing there. And there's this big queue and all these queues, everyone's waiting and she's not packing her goods or anything. The guy's just scanning them through like all these vegetables. He's weighing each of these vegetables one by one, one by one. It gets to the end of it and then she pays and then she just stands there waiting and just watches him just put it all in the bag. And two things, like one, I'm like, this is just so lazy, man. Like if there's someone they're providing that service, great, that's their job, right? That's cool, man. Like, and they'll, they're good at it. So they'll pack it better for you probably than you will, right? Unless you have a system, of course, which I do, then do your own anyway. But <laughs> but the point is this woman, so so that's like lazy in the first place, right? And But I can get 
by that just understanding like okay you want a slow day maybe it's sunday you kind of just a bit casual you just don't want to think about anything you want to just relax get that but then there's four other people behind you on that sunday who also have that similar intention well you've got to think they do or at least they have other intentions and other things to do but you're just standing there for an extra three minutes watching this guy when you could have just been plopping in a bag as it goes along and just moved on and everyone's on with their day that bit quicker so that's what i'm putting in apartment 4 e today like people again it's just that sense of entitlement that maybe it's just this just complete unawareness of this, their surroundings which i guess is entitlement as much as anything um so that's what's going in this week i like that a lot I, it is related to white lotus because mm. tanya had the nerve to tell portia and she feels like she's being entitled. I thought that was hilarious because Tanya's entitled to everybody. What? Yeah. Not the pot called in the kettle black right there. Um, mm-hmm. come on. And this lady, she wasn't disabled, right? She had the ability to use she, her. She, she was. She was like I think probably late twenties, perfectly able. Well, you know, she's got her, she's got her night kicks on. You know, just you know Sunday sweats, just kind of being casual about it, whatever oversized man shirt that was the outfit pinstripe that helps you should have called that chopper to get her brain uh scanned right there must be something wrong we need to get you right in the hospital right away yeah we're gonna get you a new brain stat right you just hold right on okay i'm gonna get a chopper it's gonna cost me five thousand dollars unless you just admit that you're wrong that you're lying right now you did something wrong just Otherwise, and this chopper could be going to save someone else's life. All you've got to do is admit that you were wrong. Just go on. Uh, no. Oh. That's the best kind of fascism <laughs> I would love to live under. Like, that would be excellent fascism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what you got? <laughs> okay, so I think, I think it was Aubrey's character. Yes. Aubrey's character put luggage on some furniture. That shit is nasty to me. And that needs to be put in apartment for you. Do you know how much boo-boo and crazy stuff is on the ground that your damn luggage has been rolling over? That doesn't need to be on any furniture. That doesn't need to be on any sofa bed, any sofa, any bed. That needs to be on the floor. So when I saw that, I was very triggered, okay? So that needs to go in apartment for e immediately. And I think, especially... This is like a show about traveling to paradise. This is a tip, okay? You don't want to get skin. You don't want to get ringworms. You don't want to get skin diseases. That's how stuff like that happens. And you're like, how the hell did I get this O because of the mysterious boo-boo on the wheels of my luggage being on my bed? So I'm putting that in apartment 40. Mm-hmm. What about, um, firstly, oh, that's great. I'm, I'm in on that. But what about, just to get specific, if it's someone's rucksack? so. They've just been on the plane. The rucksack's either gone up in the thing or it's gone underneath the seat. Oh, a back a backpack. I have never heard of this English word in my life. You are truly English. <laughs> a rucksack? Okay, we have to have a whole. R- How did that happen? Okay. It's r- rucksack. R U C K. Rucksack. Interesting. Okay, thank you for teaching me something. <laughs> um. Oh, that's so. Is that allowed on the the a bed or the sofa? No, I don't mm. put anything on the. Now I think I used to put a backpack on, but um, I am my husband's wife, okay, and so he 
he doesn't do it. So I would say no. I don't put anything on right. there. Just all right. like, and even my body has. All right. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Very good. Well, yeah, that's that's also another good apartment for a can can go in there. Um, actually, there is one thing before we finish up. Uh, I just remembered that you you mentioned. Natasha Rothwell's character in season one and Tanya's kind of uh, taking advantage of her and you, you know, understandably being annoyed at Tanya because she was clearly in the wrong, um, but also annoyed at Natasha Rothwell's character because she was duped and she let it kind of let her get the better of her and just followed through. The, my counter to that to you, in, in putting yourself in her shoes, is that this woman works in this luxury hotel. She sees all these people having a wonderful life with their money. This yeah. is the only chance she's ever had and potentially the only one she will ever have to get this kind of investment, to get this, have this opportunity. She certainly hasn't had it before now. So even the glimmer of that, the chance of that being a reality, kind of human nature to me, something that is like you follow through, right? Yeah. You kind of, you try and yeah. test the boundaries, but you kind of, I understand it. You know, I can completely understand why she just followed through and, and it's sad because that, again, that happens to so many people all the time. They get led down the garden path in different ways. But I understand that motivation because the rewards of, you know, in success are just so vast compared to their normal lives. Whereas the, the losses really are insignificant. Like, you, you know, it's hurt feelings and wasted time and whatnot. And, and, you know, emotions about the dream being so close and yet so far and maybe feeling further. But that, that opportunity, that chance of it being real, right? It's the same reason we buy a lottery ticket. Right. It's like it's it could happen, right? And this is the best chance I've got. Yeah. So. And if especially if you're comparing it to a lottery ticket, that makes me even more disappointed because <laughs> we know the odds of that. So my disappointment really stems from her not continuing to pursue her dream. Not that she mm-hmm. uh believed this woman and um had the hope and all this kind of stuff is because she thought that was the only avenue and particularly as americans what i am proud of in this country is that i that actually my girlfriend in paris said too she said the mindset in terms of our goals here in america if somebody says no to us we don't take it as a no like we just continue she said in paris if somebody's like no i can't do that they're like oh okay you know (laughs) like that's not like who we are culturally you know so for natasha rothwell's character to one be american and for her to be like okay i've never had the motivation before this lady now that i've done this for myself written up this plan you know like this is amazing blah blah blah. even when uh tanya was like you know i'm sorry but i can't do this for you i'm disappointed that natasha wasn't uh, in, in self-inspired, you know, self-motivated to be like, I did this, you know, and I'm going to find other avenues. You know, I know who I am. I know how amazing, you know, I could be at, you know, healing people. So that's really what the disappointment was, you know, and considering that she has been intimate with these people and intimate meaning when you touch on somebody that's intimate. And for her to have have been intimate with so many people with that kind of money, she should have had more common sense that it's possible this woman's going to back out. That's what I'm saying. Her wisdom didn't kick in. Her self-inspiration, self-motivation did not kick in. That's what I'm really disappointed about. Do you know what I mean? So, so I'm going to offer a flip side here as well, just for, just for the fun of it, play devil's advocate. Yeah. So 
you kind of touched on, she'd gone done this business plan. She had this idea. She was like, and it was inspired by Tanya, right? Tanya's like, hey, look, this could be a thing, yeah. the opportunity. So that fact alone, again, makes me understand why she wouldn't pursue it because really, again, the opportunity isn't this. She hasn't been trying to do this her whole life, right? This was just an opportunity created because of this specific person. Yeah. So as soon as like it's the same as a habit thing, like as soon as that person, as soon as that environment disappears, is out of the equation, so does the 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 you know the reaction, the the whatever you know the the thing, the thing that happens in response to that. So um, was it her dream? No, it wasn't her dream until she was some you know the potential of money and a business and freedom and whatever was kind of dangled in front of her. So again, that makes complete sense to me. And also. You then take that money out of the equation. This woman going into business, she's clearly got to work. She's got to make money, and it is—it's like you and I are both entrepreneurs. We kind of we we have our jobs, we do things, but we have other things we're trying to do and pursue and grow and build upon. And we know it's incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's it's just the time, life, people, social work. Like it's just that's the realities of the world. So again, I can symbolize that as well. Like there's just not necessarily the time or space in her life to be able to do it without the support. She was she was potentially going to get in that yeah. dynamic. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, all right, good. Well, look, this has been this has been fun. A really uh, great show. This is a really really good one to to talk about because it's super character based and feel like we can we can pick out a lot about their personalities as much as our personalities For in sure. talking about these little anecdotes in, in each episode. So I look forward to more of it. Me too. Until next time. Mm-hmm. Until next time.